Hello, friends. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for helping the Art of Fitness hit the top 200 in the fitness and nutrition category. Thank you very much. In just five short weeks, you've helped me do that. I really appreciate it. And as a token of my appreciation, I'm giving away a barbell. So go to www.theartoffitnesspodcast.com and click the photo link. You can't miss it. It's like the first thing you'll see. It's a shot of uh, Rogue Echo Bar with like arrows pointing to it saying free. Just click on that, type in your name, type in your email, and I'm going to choose a lucky winner. Um, So I'll leave it up there for a little while to give everybody a chance to hear this. And thanks again, and good luck. I really appreciate it. I'm Steve Serbis, and this is The Art of Fitness. Hey everybody, welcome to The Art of Fitness. I'm Steve Serbis, and today I'll be talking to Roy Gamboa. Roy is a 30-year-old National Pro Grid League athlete, coach at Elevate Crew CrossFit, and was just hired as a firefighter in Abilene, Texas. Originally from Odessa, Texas, he's been living in Abilene since 2007, where he graduated from Hardin-Simmons University in Abilene with a bachelor's in sports fitness and a master's in kinesiology. Roy started CrossFit in August of 2012 and earned a spot at the CrossFit Games in 2013, 2015, and 2016. Also in 2016, it was his first year being chosen for a National Pro Grid League team, having been chosen to compete for the New York Rhinos. Roy is a serious individual. He... um, He seems like the kind of guy that would have words with you for cursing in front of his wife. Uh, We talk a lot about the current CrossFit game season in this episode and the stages to come. But since recording this episode, Roy has withdrawn from the South Regional due to his obligations in his new position as a firefighter. That may be hard to grasp for some of you, but you'll see that Roy is the kind of dude who knows who he is and knows what he wants. Before we get into my talk with Roy, let's go to the question of the day. Cameron writes, can lifting weights change a person's personality? Uh, You bet your ass, Cameron, in a multitude of ways. I've seen folks develop a community around strength, seen them forge lasting friendships, seen them get married, start a charity, start a new business, take vacations, quit jobs. Start new careers, write articles, become performers, start painting, have children. I've seen them get out of toxic relationships. I've seen them develop self-confidence. I've seen some people get humble. I've seen people share emotions, move to a new city. I've seen people save other people's lives. I've seen them travel the world, confront past mistakes, start going shirtless, uh, become advocates for a healthier lifestyle, all because they started lifting weights. I've also seen people become total assholes, but rarely. And even in those rare situations, it was probably because they didn't know how to deal with their newfound self-worth. And uh, they didn't stay assholes. 
So, thanks for your question, Cameron. All right, friends, let's get into my conversation with Roy Gamboa. Roy, you there? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm here. Hey, Roy, how you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. You're in Abilene, Texas, yeah? Yes, sir. Did you grow up in Abilene? Um, I grew up about two and a half hours west of here in Odessa, Texas. In Odessa. So you're a Texan, tried and true. <laughs> yes, sir. What was it like growing up in Odessa, Texas? Um, we uh, grew up with nothing but dirt, so there's no nice scenery around or anything like that. Um, all we knew was football and and lifting weights, so that kind of transitioned me into, into the sport of fitness I'm in now. Uh-huh. And you played football from the time you were how old? Yeah, I played, um, I guess, flag football since I was a little. And then we played, started to tackle football in fourth grade and all the way through um, four years of college. Uh-huh. And uh, am I right? Did you tell me that you were an out-of-shape offensive lineman from, like, sixth grade through your sophomore year? I was, yeah. I, um, I I'm assuming it was all tied into my diet, but I developed asthma um, pretty young and was on steroid shots and all that. I just couldn't really be active, so the only active thing I did was eat. So it was <laughs> the only I put on weight. But so I was uh, wasn't agile to be a running back, and I was just too fluffy. So they put me on the on the O line. So w- you made this transition your sophomore year of high school, and then what happened? How did you? get from being an out-of-shape offensive lineman to what did you transition into and and what what changed your physique um you know I just I always was a competitor at heart and I uh, just maybe felt like I was really skinny in my mind but I really wasn't showing it on the outside mm-hmm. and then you know at that time the the MTV music videos were showing all the all the buff um, rappers and whatever, starting to harp on fitness, and I wanted to be fit too. So I just, uh, I guess something shifted in my my mindset, and I wanted to start working out, and I wanted to be active, and I wanted to be the best at what I did. So you hit the weights hard, and you went to you went on to um, Hardin Simmons University, and you that's where you played ball. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what did you study there? Um, I got my bachelor's in sports fitness with a minor in history, and then I got my master's in kinesiology. How did you come to a point where you wanted to pursue fitness, not only just to get buff and get into the best shape that you could, but also to pursue this as a career as a coach, something you studied, but also as a professional athlete? Um, I guess whenever you've, you know, figure out inside what you love to do that's kind of uh your i what i'm saying is your calling to go do because other than that you're going to be miserable trying to do a regular eight to five and so once i found out that i just absolutely love being in the weight room i loved that when i got there i didn't feel stressed out or anything like that i just wanted to be there that's kind of whenever i made the shift from you know i originally wanted to be a coach um like a football coach but I just didn't feel passionate about passionate enough about that like I did about fitness. And so once I figured that out, it started me on the route of uh, pursuing fitness as a as a job. And in terms of fitness as a job, fitness as a major. I mean, you you have a master's in kinesiology. When did you find 
I wanted to say CrossFit, but you're also in the MPGL, the National Pro Grid League as well, correct? Yeah, last year was my first year to, uh, to be a part of that. So let's just call it a pursuit of functional fitness. Okay. How, how, did, you, how did you come to a point where you, you, you left your master's program and, um, and you say, you know, functional fitness is where it's at. What, what, what brought you to that point? Who introduced you to this? Yeah, so, uh, you know, like I said, I've always just had this competitive spirit in me since I was young. And after I finished four years of college football, like, I went and started my master's and um, was I, I tried to play at, at the next level. I tried, you know, some combines, some CFL tryouts, anything I could to keep playing. I just wasn't, you know, what they were looking for. So um, I was a... Um, a grad assistant coach, um, strength coach at Harden Simmons. And as I was doing that and I was do- getting my master's at the same time, one of my buddies who I play football with saw that they aired the CrossFit Games in 2011. And he said, hey, you should, you should try to do this. And I, I watched it on ESPN. And I looked at it and they were lifting weights and all that. But then I saw them running and swimming on the beach. I thought, nah, that's, that's not for me. Hmm. And then I saw that... Um, Rich Froning had won, and then I saw that he had won again in 2012, and I was like, oh, okay. He, he has a kind of similar background, played, you know, some college sports. He uh, um, just strong, great work work ethic, and I believe that I have that as well. I was like, let me go and pursue this, and then I tried CrossFit in 2013 and ended up qualifying for the games that same year. Yeah, you qualified for the games. You were there in 13. You were there in 15. You were there in 16. Um, take me back to 14, man, because I, I'm cl- kind of starting to get a picture of you and yeah, uh, you, so. you being so competitive and you having this work ethic, um, take me back to 2014 Sure. because you missed it. You missed going by one point. Yes, sir. And if you could take me back to that time and, and just tell me what it is you went through when you missed that by one point. Lay the scene out for me. Yeah, so so I, qual- I ended up qualifying for the games 13 and then placed 22nd overall and then came back home and I was, you know, okay, I'm a CrossFit athlete, I'm a games athlete, I'm, I'm going to go win this whole thing now. Mm-hmm. And so at the time, what it seemed like was at regionals, you could get away with being really strong and not having maybe the best engine, what they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my training focused all year was more high skilled, heavy weight type movements. And then the 14 open came around, I ended up winning that thing. So I thought that I had the, uh, I wanted in, in, in our region, not mm-hmm. worldwide. I thought I had the engine that was necessary to take me to the games again. And then we got to regionals and then they had... Stuff like strict handstand push-ups and moderate load front squats and high-volume pistols. And it just seemed really um, high-skill gymnastics and moderate load um, weight movements that once I got there, I was not prepared to, to handle. And I was sitting in first place going into the last day and actually dropped to second after the uh, first event of the last day, so all I needed to do was place top three to go to the games, and I ended up dropping one point out of qualifying for the games. And so after that, 
Um, and the next day I was like, I'm done with CrossFit. This is not for me. I didn't, I didn't like it at all. And so I went back to, to the gym and hit like an old school circuit training session. And as I was doing that, I was like, nope, I'm not going to let my, um, my journey end like that. And so I started figuring out where I was weak at and what I needed to do to round myself out in order to be a complete CrossFit athlete. And so that's uh, what I did going into the next two years. Spite is a good motivator. <laughs> right? Yeah, sure. Right? Um, it might not be a positive motivator, but it definitely has motivated me through a lot of things. And um, it sounds like missing it by one point, yeah, yeah. You, you, you had a score to settle. Yeah, it, it could have, you know, um, I guess it depends on the kind of mindset and maybe the character you have. It could have, you know, it almost did let make me quit that. But that was a valuable um, lesson I needed to learn, and I'm very grateful that that did happen because now, you know, any kind of adversity I face, though it was just a CrossFit fitness competition, anything I'm faced with that's a challenge, I know that I've succeeded, you know, in that and that I'm capable of succeeding elsewhere if I am applying my same mindset. Yeah, and, you know, I'm sure that you've heard this, but it speaks a lot to, you and I have never met, but it speaks a lot to the type of person that you are, that you were in first place in those regionals, the 2014 regionals, through the entire weekend up until the last day, and you missed qualifying by one point, and... The devastation made you wonder if this was for you. <laughs> I right. mean, obviously, obviously you deserved to go, and yes, sir. and um, and that was in you. But it speaks to a lot about the standard that you set for yourself. And I want to talk to you about about the MPGL. And you know, you have a very very close relationship. Um, how how is traveling? Um, to New York from Abilene, how how is that affecting your personal life? Okay, so this year, so it was my first year. Um, they held all the matches in um, Utah, so all the teams from around the country were in a hotel for you know three to six weeks in Utah. So that's where we were located that entire time. So. <clears throat> with my my fiance Mackenzie, she was very she's very supportive of me and she encourages me to to pursue my dreams as I as I do her as well, and she was willing to let me go and and play play fitness for for three weeks, you know, as long as in 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 our head that we're gonna come back income wise that we weren't gonna be at a deficit any, right. then it, it was it was a smart move on our part. Yeah. But, you know, the good thing is, you know, we had FaceTime available. And so it really wasn't like we were missing so much out um, on each other's relationship. One more thing before we go on to the questionnaire. You're you're a coach full time and now a firefighter, correct? I'm a coach full time and I will be starting my firefighting career April 17th. All right. And with training for the games, with training for the MPGL, with being a coach and now adding firefighter into the mix, how does that um, 
make you change or tweak your your training? Well, you just have to be really you have to be really aware of, of time management, I guess. I mean, I've done a, a much better job of having meals prepped, of making sure I'm getting X amount of sleep, uh, making sure that I'm spending time with my fiance. And of course, she's number one. So what she says goes, if she says I can't play fitness anymore, then she's my number one priority. So if I get the go ahead from her, then I can schedule um, what I need to schedule in order to fit training in. All right, Roy, are you ready for this questionnaire? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, great. Section one, the physical. How many meals do you consume in a day? Um, I have three whole meals, I guess you could say, per day, besides the uh, supplements and things like that. What kind of supplements are you taking? Um, I take, you know, protein. I take fish oil. Um, I just got off a creatine cycle. Um, vitamins and minerals. Uh, things of that, of that sort. Now, when you cycle creatine, how long are you on it? I do like a loading phase for about a week and then a maintenance phase for about six weeks and then another deload for about a week. So about eight weeks and then I'll come off for about a month, month and a half. And then I try to time it out to where I feel most powerful at my uh, competition, at the main competition season. Mm-hmm. And in percentages of fats, proteins, carbohydrates, what's your macronutrient breakdown per meal? Or does it change with time of day? Does it change with training schedule? Um, it's roughly 40% carb, 30 protein, 30 fat. Um, and it, it just, if I need like a, a refeed day or a, a cheat day, it'll change that day. But I'm pretty routine on what I stick to. How much time do you take between eating and training? Uh, I'm about, I need about an, maybe an hour, an hour and a half to maybe feel like I'm ready to, you know, go 100% intense without feeling like I need to throw up. So maybe about an hour and a half. Because these are pretty sizable meals. You're eating three times a day. Um, so you're, you're eating. It's not like you're having a little snack. Right. No, no, they're pretty, uh, decent sized meals. But, you know, I've, I've worked out on a full stomach before and I've worked out, you know, hungry. And so I've kind of found the balance of when I need to uh, be ready to go. And how often do you train in a day, Roy? Um, I'm at the gym twice a day. So I'll be at the gym from about 10 to noon and then again from about 2.30 to 4, and then I'll coach from there. And what does a typical training day for you look like? Uh, I'll wake up about 8 a.m., and then I'll start breakfast about 8.30 and while my breakfast is cooking, I found time to mobilize while that's getting going. And then I'll be ready to train from 10 to 12. And then I'll go home and eat again from about 12.45 to 2. I'll eat and recover at that same time, like with the compacts or, or whatever. And then train from 2.15 to about 4. And then coach from about 4.30 to 8 p.m. Can you explain what compacts is? Yeah, it's like that muscle stem. You know, you know, kind of put those electrodes on you, shocks your muscle, things like that. And how do you feel that that aids in your recovery? Uh, do, do you think, is it a noticeable, sizable difference? Well, I've just been pretty consistent with it, and I feel like it helps with um, maybe bringing in 
you know, fresh nutrients with, with uh, blood flow wise and flushing out the bad stuff. Um, and since I have been doing it, if it has or hasn't physically been um, helping me mentally, it has been helping me. I feel like I'm able to uh, maybe get through that third day with much more intensity than I was in the past thinking that, oh, I'm not recovering at all. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm sorry I interrupted. We were we were talking about after your first session, you'd come back and you and you treat it like recovery in that first session. Yeah. Um, what does that look like? Is it is it strength? Is it conditioning? Is it a combination? Yeah. So and, and the way I, I my mindset is, is like I, I need to make the things better that I'm not good at while I'm at my freshest. So what I consider me not being good at are things like Metcons, like sprinting Metcons or mm-hmm. anything where you just have to, to go. And so that's what my morning sessions will look like. It will be w- whether it be a sprint or it don't matter the time domain, it's going to be some kind of metabolic conditioning. Um, with, with moderate to light loads in, in a higher volume region? Are those, would you say that those are your weaknesses? Oh, so now if we're just digging into Metcons of what, what, what type of Metcons I'm weak at, yeah, it's going to be more of the, uh, the sprinting type stuff, um, like really light loads or really simple movements that you have, you know, no excuse to, um, to be slow on just if you want to go slow. But you've got to push yourself. But, you know, things that like squat snatches that are heavy in a Metcon, things like that, I will stay away from because I'm not, in my opinion, that bad at those. Right. All right. So, and then session two. So now you, you've already, you've already crushed your weaknesses in the morning. You've gone back, you've recovered a little bit, had another meal. And then session two, you come in and do what? Session two is, um, more of strength, um, Olympic lifting and skill work. Mm -hmm. Um, the strength or the Olympic session could be, you know, on a clock, it could be every 90 seconds. It could be an EMOM. It could be whatever, or it could be combined with the skill, like overhead squats and handstand walks or things like that. Um, that's typically typically what, what that looks like before um, or after or for my second training session. All right, man. Um, so section two. Mm-hmm. Are we ready? Ready. Let's talk about the mental. How would you describe your state of mind while training? Um, my state of mind is focusing only on what I need to be focused on. Um, it might be a particular movement or a time domain or whatever it may be. Um, my mind is focused on making that specific on that specific focus the best I can make it in that situation. I'm trying to I'm trying to only focus on getting better at that thing because that's all I can control in that moment. I'm not worried about what anybody else is doing or anything like that. I want to see if I can make just that little piece of me that much better. That's great. If you could liken your mental state in competition to a type of organic or inorganic substance, what would it be and why? Yeah, so I wasn't really sure on uh, how to answer that, but I'd say that me being confident in my own abilities and performing what I know and felt like was my max potential would be the substance I'd point out as my mental state. All right. So if we could find something that that uh, represents that in nature, that's what you're looking for. And I'd say that because 
I've been so in tune with my training all year, so that's the only thing I control. I can control in the competition. So whether win or lose, if I showcase my full potential, I'm proud no matter what the outcome may be, but I have to absolutely be certain that that was the best that I could do. Awesome. Okay. Imagine this scenario. You're holding a baby in your right arm and a cooler holding a vital organ to be delivered to a loved one in need in your left. You come to a canyon. The only way across is via a zip line. It requires one of your hands to hold on with. You need to put one of the two things down. What do you put down and what do you take with you? The baby or the vital organ that needs to be delivered to a loved one in need? Yeah, so... uh this is imagine this scenario and I think you know the imagination is something people forget how to use whenever they grow up so they cap their potential on all things mm. and so I've heard like if if the mind can can or the mind yeah, the head like the brain can hold it the hand can hold it mm. so since this is my imagination and now my scenario I'd place the baby in a warm blanket and store it in the cooler for the short trip across the canyon <laughs> Great. Okay. A news broadcast just reports that the Earth is going to be struck by an asteroid the size of our moon. Officials have known about this for some time. We're just finding out. And it's going to hit within 24 hours. This will mean a certain end for our planet. There's no way around it. How will you spend your last 24 hours? I'll definitely uh, spend that with my fiance Mackenzie, who means the world to me. Uh, so... Whatever it was that I could keep a smile on her face for those 24 hours, that's what I would be doing. That's great, man. This is a two-part question. When is it essential to lie, and when is it deplorable to tell the truth? Um, I, you know, I don't feel like you should intentionally lie. When, I mean, besides, like, if you're joking around with your friends or your loved ones. Mm -hmm. uh, when is it deplorable to tell the truth? When is it just awful? to tell somebody the truth? Uh, I, I think, you know, truth is perception. So what I believe is true and what you believe is true could be two opposing things. Right. I like that, man. Elaborate on that. Yeah, so if I, you know, if I believe in my head that I'm the fittest on earth, but the, the, uh, the social media has told you otherwise that, you know, uh, Matt Frazier is. Say, I'm not, this is not a stab at Matt Frazier or anything like that. It's just, you know. No, of course not. Right. It's, uh, say he just felt absolutely miserable uh, every training session, like, wasn't happy with his life or anything like that. But ESPN had labeled him fittest on earth. Mm -hmm. But me, I'm the healthiest I can be. I'm in the best relationship possible with my fiance. I am in a loving community. I'm the best firefighter I can be. I just didn't happen to win the games that year, but I still feel like I'm the fittest all around, healthy, mentally, uh, spiritually. I felt fittest. That could be, you know, truth or, or not. Love that. Who in history to you, Roy, real or fictional, would you describe as resilient? Why that person? Um, I wouldn't say maybe one person specifically. I would say that anyone who experiences a trial or setback and doesn't let that stop them from what they desire are considered resilient to me. That could be 
all the champs or all athletes or all parents or whoever that but when they stared a hard time in the face and they had an opportunity to quit but instead took the experience and learned and grew from it that is what i consider a resilient person Hmm. section three Mm -hmm. what is your idea of perfect happiness it is doing whatever it is that you love to do with the people you love to do it with and for the people you love. What is the opposite of fear? Courage. Courage is the opposite of fear. Finish this sentence for me. Love is blank. Love is God, Jesus is sacrifice, and whatever gets you into the state of mind of perfect happiness. What recurring trait do you notice about yourself that makes you angry? Uh, I don't normally get angry, but always wanting to be the best can sometimes be stressful. Hmm. When do you experience sadness? I experience sadness when the people I care about are not enjoying or appreciative of their blessings. Tell us about the last time you were genuinely surprised. Um, that was probably in January of 2015 when my uh, fiance flew down to Boston to watch me compete at the, the ECC. I didn't know she was on a flight. Ex- explain what that is. Oh, the East Coast Championships. Uh, there, that's a CrossFit competition held in Boston. Uh, put on by Ben Bergeron. And you didn't know she was coming? I did not know she was coming, no. Uh, she played this whole sad role that she was going to be upset, that she wasn't going to get to see me. And I'm in my hotel room and then knock on the door, and there she is to be there and support me. Surprise! Yeah, so that was really the last time I've been surprised. <laughs> That's great. Um, well, you're shaping up to be a really interesting cat, dude. <laughs> I mean, oh, these, I? yeah, I mean, in my opinion, these, these, uh, I mean, of course you're interesting. That's why you're on the show. But these answers, especially, especially in the emotional section, uh, these answers are really showing a depth and a side of you that, um, you know, we, we, we don't often get to see or hear about. And, um, and I want to go back to the previous, previous section when you talked about what in your opinion describes resiliency and can you can you talk about a time in your life where you might have felt besides the 2014 games uh where you might have felt as though you just had adversity continue to smack you in the face and you needed to grab yourself by the bootstraps and and keep on going yeah um I'd say in 2012, this is when I was still um, getting my master's degree, I also applied to be a firefighter in in Dallas, Texas. And um, I was ready to pursue that career wholeheartedly and, um, you know, even drop out of grad school so I could start a career. And I end up, there there are 3,000 that applied. I end up making it towards like the last 200 to uh, be interviewed and they were hiring 90 and then I just end up being ranked uh, like 
20. So I was just maybe 30 spots shy of starting a career. And at that point, um, I just I didn't know what to do. I was like, uh, I'm kind of, uh, I don't know, how to, you know, how, how am I going to bring in money? Am I going to be a strength coach? Am I going to be, I want to be a, a D1 strength coach now or what do I want to do? And so that, that was a time when, when I had to face something, what I considered hard. Um, I had to, you know, consider what was my next career move. I was going to finish grad school or something like that. And then that's whenever, not at that point, I've always been a, 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 a man of faith, but I was able to um, look back and see that God had bigger plans for me than to be a firefighter at that time. And when I can look back on that, I can see that he had more good planned for me than what I would have had if I would have been a firefighter right away because I got to experience what I love doing, and that's you know competing in CrossFit and being a fit athlete and things like that and meeting my fiancé at a CrossFit gym. And I just saw that he had something better for me planned. So that was a hard time, and I could have let it affect me and just given up on life, but I um, stayed what I felt was the course. I finished school and got introduced to CrossFit and found everything else. This is a perfect segue into the final section, section number four. What is your definition, Roy, of the spirit? So the spirit to me is the feeling or maybe the vibration inside of you or anyone that determines what positive or negative vibes your physical body acts out. What happens to us when our bodies die? Well, I was saved because of Jesus' sacrifice. So it's up to him to let me know. And whenever I see him, I'll let you know. All right. Name one event in your life that you can most closely describe as a miracle. You know, I think miracle is something that you can't really explain. So I'm going to have to say Mackenzie, my fiance, taking a chance on an imperfect man like myself. When do you feel most connected with creation? Whenever I'm doing what I love to do, which is movement of the body and helping others become better. What is the thing that is the closest resemblance to absolute truth for you? Yeah, so just like earlier, you know, whatever your mind perceives as true is the truth. Why do you feel, last question, why do you feel, Roy, that you were put on this earth? I felt like I'm, I was put on this earth to honor my God and to be a good steward with everything he has blessed me with. And if you're doing those things, right, mm -hmm. what does that look like? That um, looks like maybe to the eye that... I just just a uh, a positive um, figure. You just see nothing but love, happiness. Um, you don't see any kind of stress or anything like that because you know that that the the plan has been written out for you already, and that you are just doing the best you can with it. Roy. Thanks so much for coming on the show. 
Yeah, Steve, thanks for having me. Appreciate that. Yeah, man, you are a you are a man of faith. You are a humble gentleman. You are a scholar, and uh, you know you, you have this work ethic. You sound like a cowboy, even though you're not. And <laughs> I know that you're going to do really well this year uh, and in the future. And good luck on your marriage. Good luck um, with your new firefighting career. Be be safe and be yes, a hero. Sir. And um, but before you go, how how can the audience connect with you? What's the best way we can follow you? Um, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, CF Roy Gamboa. And that's really the only social media, um, things I have. I try to stay away from social media really as much as I can. Do you have any events coming up right now that we should check out or in the future or anything else that we should know about that's important to you that you'd like to talk about right now? Um, so it looks like I may be making my fifth appearance at regionals this year so may 19th through the 21st san antonio texas at the alamo dome for regionals and then uh we're gonna keep the mind where where it should be and that's uh madison wisconsin this year that's right at man. the games nice and before you go i just need some parting words for the audience uh can you please plant a seed of inspiration whatever words you want to share with us um, of course, you know, do what you love. Um, try to be around the people who who celebrate you and not just tolerate you. And always give love. Roy Gamboa, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on The Art of Fitness. Thanks, dude. I appreciate you having me on here. All right, my friend. Good luck with everything, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All righty. Thank you, sir. All right, bud. Roy Gamboa is a vessel for his faith. He listens. He takes stock in responsibility and believes he is where he is intended to be. He's both practical and ethereal, understanding his existence as destiny. This is why I feel Roy Gamboa is an artist. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Fitness. If you did, please subscribe, write a review. Also, go to www.theartoffitnesspodcast.com. Scroll down and do all of your Amazon shopping through the Art of Fitness portal. It would really help support. Thanks a lot. No,